Welcome to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Hazinger, accompanied by my co-host, Pastor Brian Loversee. Hey, we're the only show in America, folks, where you'll experience the fusion of church and state. So, on the Voice of Truth Radio Show, we're going to be engaging in vigorous, robust discussion on culture, history, and current events, all from a biblical perspective. The Voice of Truth Radio Show, we're on every Thursdays at 5, Saturdays at 3 o'clock. Podcast, Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. Email, MikeAzinger1965 at gmail.com. So that's the whole list, Pastor. Man, you made there it through it quick. Yep. Uh, only stumbled. I don't know, maybe a little one there, but I get pretty good. <laughs> you know. All right, so uh, we got a great uh, show for you, folks. We're going to hit on some heavy stuff that you're going to want to tune in for the whole hour here folks um the uh gallup poll has some um uh, new information i think they do this poll annually and this year oh man it's not good it's not good and um but we're going to bring in some good news, too. Not everything's bad. God's on his throne He's in always America. in control. That's he right. is. He is always in control. Praise God for that. Amen. Otherwise, we'd be insane. We'd yeah. be driven insane. Uh, just a little good news. I forgot to mention you uh, this to you in show prep, Pastor. Japan court, before we get into all the bad news, let's, get our, <laughs> let's give our folks some good let's news. Let's smile first before we Japan, uh Yes, right. Japan court rules gay marriage not protected by the Constitution says marriage is for bearing and raising children. Japan. Wow. That's not good, even a good Christian on Japan. Yeah, yeah, good for them. Um, you know what is interesting? It's got a picture here. Folks uh, Folks in the audience can't see it, but I'll show a pastor. So there is the Japanese LGBT folks. Huh. Why is it that they look exactly like the American LGBT in terms mm. of their uh, in terms of their colors, the pride flag, in terms of the uh, uh, just the, the exaggeration of dress, and yeah, the, the flamboyant pride is is kind of what I don't know embodies the whole movement. Yeah, so it's a spirit, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's a, a spirit. Well, and you know, I think Satan likes to counterfeit a lot of what God does and try to twist it and wrangle it. And I think that Satan hated the fact that God spared the world during the flood. I think that. Um, God, that devil hated the fact that there was an avenue of salvation there. I think mm-hmm. the devil wanted uh, everyone everyone wiped out. You know, that's what he wants to do. He's a roaring lion. He's seeing who yeah. he devour. He wants everybody to be devoured. And so I think he twists this rainbow stuff. You know, that was a promise of God that I'm going to continue to be long-suffering. I'm going to continue to um, tarry my wrath. I'm going to continue to provide salvation. I mean, the, the rainbow has always in Christianity been this emblem of God's promise and grace. And now it gets twisted into this this sickening rejection of the image of God in people's lives and and embracing really the destruction 
in judgment of God. Mm-hmm. You know, God sent his destruction and judgment on places like Sodom and, and Gomorrah and, and, and civilizations that rejected God's plan and creation and, and identity. And, uh, and I think the devil just relishes when he can deceive people to embrace their own destruction. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see every time I see the pride movement or these flags of, of rainbows is I, I just see people celebrating their own destruction. Wow. And it's, a, it's, so, uh, it's such a clever thing that Satan does. That's a fascinating way to put it. They're embracing their own destruction. Huh, very interesting. Well, um, we've got uh, a number of a number of stories going on here. Just kind of uh, basically reflect the culture, what we all see with our own eyes, and uh, we got empirical data from um, Barna, Mister Barna. I forget his last name, but uh, it's a Gallup poll, uh, getting a sense, a feel for where Americans are spiritually and. Um, uh, in terms of uh, generationally, the the difference in uh, how generations believe and their their uh, theological beliefs, uh, it's it's a star- stunning and stark uh, contrast between, mm-hmm. say, when we, we talked about this a lot, but uh, the, what we call the uh, traditionalist generation. That would be get my little chart out here before 1946. People like my dad. Very conservative still, mm-hmm. and um, have a sense of of what's real and what's true. Even if they're not necessarily Christian, this generation, the traditionalists, look at this uh, LGBT and and um, uh, all the other nonsense that we're seeing, and they, and they intuitively know oh, there's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. This is not normal. This is perverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the but the uh, newer generations, not so much. Mm-hmm. Not so much. So something's going on here, and we're going to read uh, this story here. Let me go through this, and Pastor, you just kind of comment at will. The article is called, Number of Americans Who Believe in God Drops to All-Time Low. Hmm. Liberals Have the Least Faith, um, and that's, that's <laughs> uh, by definition they do, right? That's why they're, they're liberals. So anyway... Uh, let's get into this. The number of Americans who believe in God has hit an all-time low, according to a new Gallup poll. There are 81% of Americans who believe in God. 81%. Historically, look, folks, historically, Americans have always believed in God close to 100%. Hmm. That's always been true. We're a traditionally Christian nation. I don't think we are now. I don't think you can say we are now when we have the acceptance that we do, this universal acceptance of God's, uh, of, of the twisting of, of God's truth mm. and, and uh, the embracing of their own destruction mm. that you so eloquently said um, about the, the LGBT, uh, using the, the, the rainbow uh, that, that God uses to say, look, there's mercy and I won't destroy the earth again mm. by a flood. Uh, so 81% of Americans who believe in God, the lowest percentage in the poll that has been con- conducted by Gallup since 1944. There were 17% of American adults who said they do not believe in any God, and 2% who said they were unsure. Hmm. Now, these are people that are saying they believe in God. These aren't Street preachers. These are just right. people. A lot of these people say, yeah, I believe in God. You know, I'm not <laughs> as stupid. Uh, the latest poll shows the number of American adults who believe in God is down 6% hmm. from 
the 2017 survey, five years down 6%. That's, that's a chilling number. Yeah. Between And here's the comparison. Uh, between the years 1953 and 1967, 98% of U.S. adults believed in God. Hmm. By 2011, 92% believed in God. So I counted these. So 44 years from 67 to 2010, about 44, 43, 44 years, everyone believed in God, 98% mm-hmm. from, from, from forever until 2010. Five, uh, and then in 2011, uh, so then in, in, 66, in 2011, it, it dropped to 92%. And then in the last five years, another 6%. 80, wow. So... In 2011, it had always been 98%, and so then it drops to 92% all of a sudden in 2010 or 11, and then, uh, and so that's what, 50 years, 40, 50 mm. years, and then in just the last uh, five years, it mm. dropped another 6%. Yeah. So that's called snowball. Yeah. Snowball. 81% of U.S. adults say they believe in God, down six percentage points from five years ago. It's a Gallup tweet here. And it shows the chart. You see it there, Pastor, a straight line mm-hmm. all the way from back in the 1940s, 1950s, 98%. And then it drops, boom, 5% in 2010. And then, boom, another 5% this year. Wow. You know, and I, I wonder, and I don't have any statistics to, to speak into this really, but I wonder how that would correlate with the voice of the pulpits in America as well. You know, historically, even during the the latter part of the 70s, the bulk of the 80s, even into the 90s, though you were having these big pushes in secular education to try to rip away uh, the understanding of God and and infuse people with this science falsely so-called, you still had a voice from a pulpit. You know, you had the moral majority. You had mm-hmm. you had a voice that decried against the things that were happening in the culture. And so there were still uh, vast groups of young people that were being, you know, uh, preached to from God's word concerning the reality of God and the importance of his uh, presence in your life. And it seems like now, even from the pulpit, the pulpit's more mirroring culture than mirroring the word of God. And we've even bought into some of the social pushes. You know, we, uh, I see at an alarming level churches giving in to these pride movements, giving in to abortionists, giving in to social justice reform, giving in to, um, you know, the critical race theory uh, kind of philosophies. And and now you have a pulpit that's also echoing culture instead of a pulpit that's speaking against the evils of culture. And I think that's having a huge detrimental I, effect I think, uh, in Pastor, these numbers. Well, we know, you know, mm-hmm. we, we do a show that uh, that comes from a biblical perspective. Everything rises and falls on doctrine, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, whatever the whatever the pulpit is preaching, mm. politics is downstream from that. Culture mm-hmm. is downstream from that. Everything's downstream from what the culture preaches. If you go back to the beginning of our nation, um, America was birthed on the Great Awakening. Yeah. The, the 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 preaching of some of these were missionaries from from England. Mm-hmm. You know. Whitfield was a yeah. missionary essentially, preached up and down the coast in the Wesleys, and and uh, uh, but they were preaching the Bible and 
revival was breaking out, and that is is what birthed the the uh, the natural desire for freedom in America and liberty based on based on uh, the Word of God. Yeah. So now we have what you what you uh, uh, said. It was very interesting there that how uh, our pastors are 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 preaching uh, our pastor, our pastors preaching is mirroring the culture instead of mirroring uh, mirroring the Word of God. Mm. It's it's all about the the word of God now. Yeah. You know, if you look at, uh, you don't mean to pick on churches, but the United Methodist Church, they they are uh, they are just endorsing much of this mm. stuff. You know, they're they're about to have a split. I think yeah. Southern Baptist Church, uh, Southern Baptist Convention is is struggling with this. Mm-hmm. Critical race. Yeah. That's not hard, no, Pastor. You no, don't have not. to be a great deep theologian to understand right. that after a little bit of study, that critical race theory mirrors mm-hmm. Marxism. That's what it is. It's Marxism. Marx was a demon. Yeah. His theology, his Marxist theology was demonic. Yeah. Uh, and we can't figure that out with this critical race theory. It's because you either don't want to uh, or you just You've been ba- bamboozled. Well, we have an emotional church today. Uh, we don't have a doctrinally solid church today. We don't have people who are studying and rightly dividing the word of truth. We have people who are getting caught up in yeah. personal narratives. You know, and I think we've talked about that on the show before. How, you know, the way that these philosophies that are against the word of God work their way into culture is you you paint them and distribute them in these personal narratives. You know, these these heart-tugging stories of this yes. transition of this boy to a girl or, you know, whatever the case is, this family, this this issue with this racial thing that takes place and we inflame it and we, we paint uh, now all of these relationships with the broad brush of critical race theory and, and try to bring that in. So we've, we've moved away from scripture and truth that's been declared and, and in its place, we start to put these personal narratives of my story and my truth and it's all emotionalism and that's coming to the church too. You know, we don't, a lot of churches, they don't preach from the word of God. It's either a motivational speech that you maybe tie God into and a few verses into, and, and we need meat today. Oh, hey, if, if we're starving oh, and we're dying goodness. in our culture today, yeah. we need meat and truth from the word yeah. of God. And when you, when you go by emotions and you, you know, like you said, you have, uh, everyone has their own truth, which means they can do what they want to do. Right. Don't correct me. Mm. And so when you are corrected. Uh, you're, uh, we we we've taught a whole generation how to be offended. Yeah, that's be- exactly. Right. You know, so and you're, if if you're offended, then then they're wrong and they hate you. Yes, <laughs> and uh, uh, so you, we're teaching them to be. the The Bible says that uh, uh, the gospel's a rock of what offense. That's right. So we're teaching a generation to be offended by the gospel. Mm-hmm. To be offended by the gospel. All right, back to the. Back to the article. Just 68% of young adults between 18 and 29 believe in God. Less than 70% of 18 and 29-year-olds, which would be, I think, Gen Z, believe in God. That's scary, okay? You uh, you think that's scary? Uh, uh, Fasten your seatbelts, folks. Based on regions... The South pulled the highest. That's not a surprise. 86% believe in God versus the East... I don't know if that means northeast or what. I would think that would be, you know, North upper East, northeast. Yeah. But anyway, uh, they're the lowest at 78%. And here's what this one really, this piece really surprised me. But uh, according to Gallup, there's only a 2% difference between the country and the city. 
Really? Yes. That is shocking. Something wrong there. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so anyway, let's get into this. Uh, the Gallup Values and Beliefs poll of more than 1,000 U.S. adults that was conducted between May 2 and May 22. So it's brand new for a poll. That's brand new. Uh, so there's a, a stark ideological divide regarding belief in God between party affiliations. Um 94% of conservatives believe in God, 62% of liberals. So that's not a surprise either. So let's get on down to the uh, the interesting part. Another Gallup poll said, uh, recent, a few years old, only 47% of Americans belong to a church, synagogue, or mosque. I hate the synagogue, mosque thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess I get the synagogue thing. The mosque, where, look, we, we weren't founded on islam but anyway 47 percent of americans belong to a church how about that pastor 47 wow. percent wow. that is um so th- since 1937 it's the lowest ever recorded wow 47 percent not a majority for the first time hmm. first time under 50 percent of americans go to church man alive you know it's going to come to a point where other countries are going to have to start sending missionaries to America. That's happening. I mean, that is uh, what's what's the guy's name north of here in up in Cleveland, Alistair Beck. Mm-hmm. He's got to be a missionary. Yeah. Have you ever heard him? Is he, oh, is he on our radio he is, station? Yeah. So, uh, he's very good, uh, but he's got that thick yeah, Australian Scottish. or whatever. Yeah, I think he's, he's from Scottish. Scotland. Yeah. Okay, so I just read a book on Scottish missionaries, by the way, under Thomas Chalmers. Oh, okay. It's fascinating. Fascinating. <clears throat> but uh, some great missionaries came out of Europe. Oh, yeah. And so here they are again. Um, well, so. And that's what happened. We're following Europe's pattern, right, in America. Because, I mean, uh, Europe used to be the greatest exporter of Christian missionaries. I mean, uh, they were sending missionaries all over yeah. the place. And yeah. revivals were breaking out everywhere. And yeah. then it dried up yeah. in Europe and England and, you yeah. know, the... Uh, Great Britain, you know, all that just dried up. Yeah. And and then we started sending missionaries back to where we got the missionaries from. Yeah. And it is just part of the cycle of uh, generations falling away from God and ultimately denying it. Yeah. And, and but, you know, and we're drying up too, like like Europe, but uh, there there are great revivals going on in the Middle mm-hmm. East, mm-hmm. in Africa. Yeah. God's at work. He is. He'll work he, whatever we do. You know, right. we don't want to. We don't want him here. He'll work he somewhere will. else. And I, I, I my face. Well, the Bible tells us that he came unto his own, and yeah. his own received him not. Yeah. But to as many as did receive him, yeah, to them there. gave he the power to become the sons of yeah, God. There you go. So, um, all right. So let me get to, into this a little more. A few more. <clears throat> A few more uh, doses of depression here. For <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So, um, more millennials, millennials, folks, got my little chart here, born between 81 and 96. More millennials believe in astrology than the idea that the universe was designed and created and is disdained, sustained by God. Wow. That's That, to me, is chilling. Mm-hmm. Gen X and the millennials have solidified dramatic changes in the nation's central beliefs and lifestyles. These changes that we're seeing, folks, it's it's the young folks mm-hmm. that are being led astray. Uh, millennials are leading the way toward the new worldview emphasis in America. The research reveals that their rhetoric is often inconsistent with their behavior because people do what they believe. 
if behavior does not coincide with stated beliefs, so on. Uh, one last paragraph here. More importantly, the millennial generation in particular seems committed to living without God, hmm. without the Bible, and without Christian churches as foundations in either their personal life or within American society. So these young folks, uh, like we talked about in this article last week about who believes what in terms of the LGBTQ indoctrination, Gen Z, the newest gen- the newest generation, by the way, is Gen Alpha. So okay. they're starting at the beginning again. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> so Gen Z is twenty to forty percent of these kids who who are are being have been sucked in to this whole propaganda of the LGBT. Mm. And the older the older Americans, like my generation, my dad's generation, even your generation, uh, not so much. But the young people are, mm-hmm. and we're doing them a disservice. Somehow, somehow we've got to reach yeah. us. And uh, you preach it in the mm-hmm. in the pulpit, which is why our family's happy to go to Fellowship Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. But like you said, so many of these hipster mega church guys don't. Yeah, you know. And and we're not called to be uh, famous or popular. We're called to be faithful to Amen. God's word, right? Amen. All right. So that's that. We got. Uh, I, I, uh, stay tuned for this for the next segment. I'll tell you what we're going to be talking about. Here's the article we're going to be bouncing off. A guy named Matt Staver from Liberty Council, an excellent man, talks about. A group of his people who went to the Supreme Court a couple weeks ago, and here's the tar- title of his article: "Witches, Warlocks, in the Supreme Court." Hmm. This is real deal stuff, folks. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show, the only show in America where you'll wit- witness the fusion of church and state. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger with Pastor Brian Leversey. We're in the studio at Fellowship Baptist Church in Vianna, in Wood County. But uh, hopefully we're talking to the whole Mid-Ohio Valley. We appreciate everybody who tunes in. Uh, wherever you go to church, wherever you live, uh, we just love our listeners Amen. here, Pastor. Yep. So, uh, Voice of Truth Radio Show. By the way, we're on on Thursdays at 5, Saturdays at 3. We podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. Email MikeAzinger1965 at gmail.com. The only show in America where you'll experience the fusion of church and state. I'm gonna start saying that more often. You got to. You know, it's I feel so like cool. I feel led to. Anytime do that. you say fusion, I mean, fusion, that's, fusion's like, a great word. I don't know what it means, but it's a great <laughs> word. <laughs> I just plucked it, it out. Rolls of off the tongue. It does. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, all right, so um, so I told you about the story about my fellow senator, pastor, Baptist pastor. Yeah, he drove, he drove the van. van. <laughs> Victory Baptist Church. And I took a picture of it and said, don't you understand the concept of separation church and state? How dare you drive a church van and park it on the Capitol, uh, the, the Capitol parking lot? So he, he was uh, hanged. Uh, yeah, hanged. yeah, burnt in effigy. <laughs> yes. All right, which is Warlocks and su- the uh, Supreme Court. Matt Staver uh, from Liberty Council. Matt Staver's one of us. He's a good man. Mm-hmm. And Liberty Council is one of those groups that, Defends religious freedom, hmm. and uh, they're they're great. So they 
they were on the Supreme Court steps and praying, like so many Americans during, I think it was during, right after the release, somebody leaked mm, that. Right. Whoever did that. Early opinion. Man, and, that, yeah. was, that was an evil thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so now listen to this, folks. Um, this is Staver essentially reporting. Here's the author's note before the story. Uh, Staver says, Surrounded by witches and warlocks openly performing their dark craft, our team has been on Capitol Hill praying over the high court as it prepares to, to deliver its much-anticipated ruling on abortion. Despite decades of pro-life work around the country and at the U.S. Supreme Court, we've never witnessed such hostile and demonically inspired evil directed at the justices and the judicial system. Yeah. He's been around for decades, and he's saying, I've never seen what I saw the other day that ne- they were praying at the Supreme Court. I've never seen this either. I've never seen Nobody's women ever seen it. walking down a street with uh, blood, you know, paint, whatever it is, typifying blood dripping from their um, midsection and holding baby dolls and... Uh, talking about how they would just have a, a baby to, to abort them just to show that they have rights over so-called their own bodies when mm. really they're killing another body, mm. they're killing another where, person. Where do they come from? Who created and it's, it's these so girls? demonic. Just the imagery that's being used in the in the vitriol and the violence. In the, I mean, you've got people praying and, and legitimately speaking up for the rights of the unborn and saying, hey, this is life and we want to protect life. And then you've got these people marked in blood, wearing gothic mm. outfits, looking, looking every bit like satanic worshipers. Yeah. Uh, spewing this hatred. Yeah, they're dressing like their father wants Just them look to at dress. It. Can't our eyes tell us anything when we look at what's yeah, going on? Exactly. Uh, How can you not be uncomfortable with that? We're, we're not supposed to <laughs> notice. All right, so um, Matt Staver continues. So we'll, in this article, it's, we're going to learn a little bit up close about mm. about uh, the demonic world. Yeah. It's not hiding in the shadows. No. It's not hiding in the spirit world anymore. It's coming out, mm. and uh, uh, this, this is um, a, a scary thing. On Sunday afternoon, Staver says... Some of our Washington, D.C.-based staff members participated in a prayer vigil outside the Supreme Court building. Our staff members collectively have decades of experience in the district and in the fight to defend human life. But even all of those years of experience could not prepare us for what we have witnessed lately. A small podium and two loudspeakers had been set up to allow the prayer vigil attendees to speak and play, uh, play worship songs. Hmm. So here they are. But as prayer began, our staff and the intercessor, intercessors were surrounded by darkness. Black-robed men and women began arriving on the scene screaming obscenities over the prayers. Screams of uh, expletive your God and your religion began to fill the air. Wow. As the prayer team's worship music continued, a pro-abortion demonstrator brought a wagon carrying a large boombox blaring satanic quote-unquote music and noise. You can hear it. We've heard this before. (laughs) Its volume increased to drown out the songs of praise. Nonetheless, the intercessors continued to pray. Peggy, one of our staff members who was in attendance, said, quote, the longer we prayed, the more anxious and uh, agitated the Satanists became. Wow. So we got a spiritual battle going yeah. on. 
the evil surrounding the intercessors did not want the word of God proclaimed. The women dressed like prostitutes began to arrive, leaving little of their exposed bodies to the imagination. That's always part of it, isn't it? This nakedness. and this, You know, <clears throat> the devil likes to attack the image of God on people. And I, I don't know why people can't wake up to the fact that all of these attacks that are satanic are against the image of God on his created people. And uh, when you strip down like this, and you disrobe, this has always been a sign in Scripture of a demonic influence. That's why it's always paired with the sensualness and this fleshly lust and all of these types of things. In fact, the maniac of Gadara, one of the things that marked him as being this maniac of Gadara is he rent his clothes and he ran naked, cutting himself. Yeah. And then when he came to know Christ, when he got saved, when those demons were removed from him and put into those swine, the the... The passage says that he was at Jesus' feet, fully clothed mm-hmm. and in his right mind. Yeah. And that, that issue of nudity has always been paired with this demonism. You know, you go into the, the jungles where there's still this deep paganism that's that's yeah. worshipped and these spirits that are worshipped. Uh, you find that there's very little clothing on a lot of these people. And it's because... You know, the clothing that we've been given is a demonstration in Scripture of Christ's righteousness. That's why when Adam and Eve knew they were naked, it was because Christ's righteousness, God's righteousness was removed from them. They, they turned away from God. Mm. They fell into sin. So they started making fig leaves. Yeah. That, that wasn't sufficient enough. They knew. They knew we were naked. Knew wrong. You know? And the clothing that we wear today that to cover up our body is, is supposed to be a demonstration and a reflection of the righteousness of Christ. So this is all part of this demonic influence yeah, that takes place. Yeah. And that was one of the first things God did. I said, okay, we're going to put some clothes on. Yeah. It's, a, it's a different world now. Yeah. Things are different. All right, so women dressed like prostitutes began to arrive, leaving little of their exposed bodies to the imagination. They gleefully joined the Malay. The witches and the warlocks had begun. A woman ro- walked right up to our podium and stood next to the pro-life speaker. Every time the pro-lifer spoke, the woman would scream unprintable curses into the megaphone pointed at the podium microphone. Wow. So, Pastor, these, these people are reacting in, in, in uh, uh, just an abhorrent fashion, yeah. uh, just way over the top. This isn't normal. This is, this is something that the spirit world is, is seeing as a uh, definite threat to them, right? Yeah. Uh, we're about to overturn Roe v. Wade, Lord willing, please God. Um, and in the spirit world, uh, Satan himself does not like what's, what yeah. could possibly happen That's here. Right. So, so this is the uh, manifestation it is. In, in human form of what the spirit world is 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 doing, yeah. I think. I mean, I don't think Absolutely. that's an exaggeration. No. All right, so the pro-abortion crowd began cursing the justices, the people praying, and yes, vehemently cursing God himself repeatedly. The Satanists and pro-abortion protesters would interrupt and try to drown out the prayers. Uh, <clears throat> so this goes on and on, but there's one part that uh, that I wanted to read uh and then 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 we'll stop but this is about a certain man that that also is part of this whole scene that's that's playing out at the supreme court and it says meanwhile one man who had the attire and appearance of a horror movie warlock 
targeted a senior uh, a senior ladies uh, targeted I'm sorry targeted senior ladies quietly praying for the lives of the unborn. So here are these ladies gathered in a little group, little old ladies praying, and this man with the attire and appearance of a horror movie warlock, Staver says, approaches these ladies. The warlock would crowd woman, woman at a time, making the sign of Satan over the women's heads. As uh, As he made the sign, guttural growls. What's a guttural growl, Pastor? Oh, what is that? Guttural growls in a language our staff could not understand issued from his throat as he spat his demonic curses over the women. One by one, he tried to corner them and curse them. With all her years on Capitol Hill and all the pro- protests she has witnessed, Peggy, uh, one of the staffers, is generally unflappable. But when the warlock began stalking senior women to issue his demonic curses, she says an almost palpable feeling of darkness rose yeah. in the air. My goodness. So what was there? It was more than just this man. Yeah. He brought with him a demon. Yeah. He was almost surely demon-possessed. Mm. And speaking the language with his guttural throat noises, uh, speaking the language of, of a demon mm. and a demon-possessed man, and there they are. So, so uh, th- this whole Supreme Court thing has the spirit world's attention. It does. And uh, Satan wants to, to kill a lot of babies, and yeah. he's done a good job at it for a lot of years. And uh, he's, 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 uh, uh, he's being threatened here. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just a stark reminder of Scripture that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And, and, you know, we think that we think we're in some kind of uh, fleshly battle and we're not. This is this is very spiritual. The things that are happening right now in our culture um, point to the fact that there is something more at play here than just uh, the physical world. We, we have we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against wickedness in high places. And uh, that's very evident going on right now in front of the courthouse. So if you take this into the perspective and context of the article that we just talked about in terms of how fewer and fewer Americans believe in God, Mm -hmm. fewer and fewer Americans go to church. So when that happens, there's automatically a vacuum. Mm -hmm. So Satan's going to fill that vacuum. The the uh, the evil one and the dark darkness will fill that vacuum. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening here. Yeah. You never had in America uh, the uh, uh, Satanist worshippers wanting to set up their own little thing at the state capitals or have an after school club, mm-hmm. a Satanist after school club at schools. This was never seen in mm-hmm. America. But they're feeling their oats, right? Mm-hmm. There's a boldness that they have. Uh, the uh, the atheists and and, and uh, uh, Satan's Satan's children, mm-hmm. you know, in this world, because because of us, yeah. we've backed off. Christians have become cowards. We've become uh, worldly. Uh, our our doctrine mirrors mirrors mm-hmm. the world more than the the Word of God, like you said. Well, I'm gonna, I'm going to make this point too, and I think it's a valid one. I think that sometimes we rely too much on politics to do our battling for us instead of being the Christians we need to be every single day and have the voice that we need to have every single day. You know, um, I, I understand that while, you know, the previous administration was in office, you know, there was 
potentially like a boldness on on behalf of believers you know there were there were there were battles being won in 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 schools there were battles being won on the government scene there were battles being won in culture it seemed like some of this was being staved off but you know we can't rest on government fighting our battles for us we can't just be christians when somebody that we appreciate their values concerning is in the white house we have to be christians all the time we have to be uh, involved in this warfare all the time concerning the spiritual warfare. We need to be praying. We need to be humble. We need to be repentant. We need to be witnesses for the glory of God. We need yeah. to have our pulpits be lit up on fire with truth. We we can't back down. We've got to make sure that we are being the people that we're called to be all the time. Yes, I amen to that. All right, so the next segment, we're going to have a little bit of good news after uh, a couple of tough articles, but... Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta look things in the face, and uh, uh, so our country's it's got a lot of problems, and spiritually mainly, but there's some good things going on too. God's people, you know, so many of God's people are are, are standing up now yeah. and waking up, yeah. and um, so we just need to we need to re- rely on God mm. and trust God, and and like you said, pray and repent and all that. Next up. Uh, a story about a state or two that are saying, hey, look, no abortion here. Hmm. And this will encourage you. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm Mike Kazinger with Brian Leversey. We're talking about issues from a biblical perspective and uh, just had a couple of good segments. I thought, Pastor, I was, that, yeah, I was. You know, you know really... we we uh, lifted the rock on American <laughs> culture, and it's not fun to see no, what's underneath not. it. However, uh, God is in control, and mm-hmm. that's not a cliche. That's the truth. Yep. Doesn't matter what happens; God's in control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's a little good news also out of South Dakota, where Christy Nome is. Some of you folks will know Christy Nome. She's a really good governor out there. She choked on a couple things with LGBT that she should have. Uh, uh, boy, the men and girls sports. She vetoed that bill. Mm-hmm. That would have, um, and that was a bad thing. But overall, she's doing pretty good. This is a this is really a good story. Abortions have stopped in South Dakota. How about That's that? Amazing. So let's do this real quick. Abortions have stopped in South Dakota. Uh, governor Christy Nome. Republican announced Thursday following news of, a, of an abortion clinic in the state performing its final abortion this week. That's kind of chilling, too. It really though, is. It? It's kind of hard to celebrate that. Yeah, isn't it? like, okay, well, you do one more. When you're done mm-hmm. there, we're done. But, you know. Uh, it's got to stop somewhere. It's got to stop somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, it's done in South Dakota, according to the New York Times, New York Times must hate that. They just, you know, they love death there, the mm-hmm. New York Times. Did I tell you I was interviewed by the New York Times? <laughs> yes. I did, didn't I? And I couldn't get through to read my own story because I'm not going to pay for the paper. You wouldn't pay to hear it. yourself. <laughs> I'm not worth it. <laughs> according to the New York Times, Planned Parenthood in Sioux Falls performed its final abortion this week. And with that, the state is now abortion-free. Wow. Praise God for yeah. that. There's another state. Uh, also, that is abortion-free. Did I tell you which one before? Was it Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Yeah. Oklahoma. Two states in America that it uh, where you can't have an abortion. Hmm. You know, they're saying, look, 
the rest of America, you can do what you want. But in South Dakota, in Oklahoma, we're not doing abortion. Hmm. That's a big deal. Praise God for that. And I think that there's a lot of states moving in that direction. I think West Virginia is. Hmm. I think Ohio probably is. But if Roe v. Wade is overturned, Defaults to the state. Defaults to the state. The states make their own decision. West Virginia will be a pro-life state yeah. automatically. Because of laws that are already on the books. Because of laws that are already on the books, going all the way back to when we were still Virginia. Yeah. Is that just amazing it or is. what? <laughs> so, uh, Ohio, I'm not sure where they are, but there's a lot of great pro-lifers in Ohio. Uh, Janet Folger Porter, who, um, who came up with the heartbeat bill. Hmm. Uh, which which has passed a lot of states. She's from Ohio, hmm. and I, uh, I know her a little bit. I'll probably see her at this convention I'm going to this weekend. But she's a good lady, hmm. and she's a pro-lifer, a warrior. But uh, there you go. Christy Nome, South Dakota. No more abortions in South Dakota. They join Oklahoma um, as a, one of the only two states in America. But I believe that it's moved for red states. We're moving in that direction. Yeah. You know, blue states, you folks stand before God the way you want to stand before God. Mm. I want to stand before God being for the unborn. That's right. Amen. All right, so we got a good story coming up that's really fascinating on um, how how did what, what, what has happened to the work ethic? Why are there no employees? Why are these uh, now hiring signs not coming down? Right. I kept waiting for them all to come down. Yeah. Every place you pull into, now hiring. Yeah. Um, there's probably a foundational reason that may not be, uh, may not be fixable without some kind of spiritual hmm. revival. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Everything goes back to that. It does. Everything does, right? Yeah. Because of God. All right, you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. Stay tuned. we got a, a fascinating story coming up next. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger. And I got Pastor Brian Leversey right here in the studio with me. We're talking about culture, current events from a biblical perspective. So here's a current event, a cultural event. The article is The Evisceration of the American Work Ethic. Hmm. So we're going to get right into this. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a throat issue here. I can't seem to hire good and reliable people anymore the manager of an apple store told me over the weekend i don't get it they aren't motivated by money they can't show up on time they aren't driven to do better there's no personal ambition something is wrong so this is an article from epic times by jeff tucker his own plan is to leave the company and start his own small shop if only to relieve himself of the great burden of personnel management and hiring (laughs) he has a few friends he trusts so he'll work with them to build something new from the ground up, a local company serving local customers, one that doesn't need to scale up in order in order to be profitable. The story, this story I've heard from many managers and owners over the past year, something is wrong, not just with the economic environment, but with the people themselves. Where's the ambition? Where's the drive? Where's the passion for excellence that comes from within? Where's the desire to work hard, achieve 
take risks, and embrace every opportunity with a burning desire for a better life. People today are rightly terrified of the inflationary trends and the real prospect of a recession. They're seeing their savings depleted, their retirement funds melted, uh, melt from impressive to not so great. Everything seems broken from government to media to industry. Hmm. Everything seems broken, yeah. doesn't it? All of this seems awful, but we might actually be experiencing a deeper crisis that's of a more spiritual nature. Hmm. It goes to the heart of what we used to call the work ethic and reaches even deeper into the whole question of the meaning and purpose of life. This isn't easily fixed. <laughs> Deidre McCloskey's magisterial uh, tr- trilogy, these books um, on virtue, uh, <clears throat> On the, on the history of the rise of prosperity argues a challenging the- thesis. The questions the books seek to answer are the really huge ones. How did it happen that through most of recorded human history, the idea of progress, of progress wasn't as pressing as the struggle to, to uh, survive against the odds? Infant mortality, sickness, starvation, servitude, a near state of nature with a norm, and so on. Beginning in the late Middle Ages, and this gets into the weeds here a little bit, so I'm going to skip uh, down here. But uh, usually, skip that paragraph. Um, <clears throat> skip that one. And uh, ultimately, she argued it was the philosophical and spiritual change that enabled and built all the rest of vast machinery that came to characterize the prosperity that defines our age. This is bound up not with a particular technology, but fundamentally with a belief structure. This is ultimately what drove the change. People began to take responsibility for their lives and so on. So we built a great culture. Um, so now, what about our time? What about uh, 2020 and the decline that we're seeing in, in, uh, in the work habit and, uh, and just uh, character in general? Um, the, the shocking and dramatic change hit us with, you want to guess, Pastor? COVID-19 pandemic <laughs> policy, seemingly out of nowhere, governments closed businesses, locked churches, shuttered schools, and through the whole liturgy of life into complete upheaval. Shockingly, agencies all over the country disputed leaflets telling us who was essential and who was non-essential. They told us to stay away from each other. They covered our faces. Um, so basically, what she's saying here is, uh, or what he's, uh, the author's saying here is, is that, look, we've always had a a uh, work ethic in America, and it's not been great, as great as it was the past 20 or 30 years. But all of a sudden, we have the the pandemic, and people stay at home, and stay at home, and stay at home, and all of a sudden, uh, people aren't wanting to get back into work. Hmm. They're finding ways, as we were talking off, uh, off uh, um, during the, uh, the break, that uh, they're taking advantage of ways to not have to work. Hmm whether it's staying in mom and dad's basement or getting on the government dole or, or whatever it is. Mm. And this, this work ethic 
that goes to our foundation. You know, we have a Protestant work ethic, for mm-hmm. ba- lack of a better term. Our work ethic in America uh, was was formed and structured by Scripture. Mm-hmm. That's that's what created America. That's what created created the great American work ethic. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this pandemic thing um, joined with this the uh, the the whole uh, receding of America towards uh, this surrendering towards the uh, the cultural uh, the secular culture mm-hmm. and the lessening of a of a Christian culture that we we really basically have little of anymore and so now we see the the breaking of the work ethic you can't go to a store now pastor mm-hmm. these these now, uh, now hiring signs have been up for a year two years I don't know and I keep waiting for them to come down I'm thinking people are going to come back to work and it's not happening yeah well, I think there's a couple things at play here, and I hate to, to you know, beat the same drum over and over again, but, you know, one of the big questions that was in this article was purpose of life. Well, you know, when you strip away your identity of being a created in God's image, God is a, is a very creative person. Obviously, he's the creator. So he created all things, and we created in his image are also created to create. We build. We thrive. Yes. We we mirror our creator by being creative. But when you don't have that as your undergirding purpose, when when you're not tapping into that image of God, um, you know, consciousness that that propels you to have that motivation to create, you know, even in, even Christians grab onto this verse, in all that you do, do it with all your might to the glory of God. Right. You know, there's a purpose behind that. And, and the big motivators for people to do stuff are greed or God, greed or God. And when greed takes hold... It motivates people to use people, abuse people, mm-hmm. get to the top at all costs, do criminal behavior, whatever the case might be. Uh, and the government has fed that, as this article pointed out, throughout the pandemic. I think people literally believe I can't fail because I'll be able to find something that will pay my bills and put food on the table and I don't have to do anything for it. And the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Right. And it's destroying the workforce in our culture today. It definitely is. So I went out with the uh, uh, one of the, the, the employees of the city of Parkersburg and a, a drive around last week. I was telling telling you about it off off break, but uh, um, uh, during the break, and uh, we we went to uh, near one of these food pantries where mm. everybody where they the same day of the week they feed everybody for free, and all of the homeless people who these are folks. These are people, uh, f- folks who don't work, mm. who do drugs, who live like animals out in the woods and so on. But they know when when uh, certain pantries are giving away food, mm. and they give it away for free. They don't require work, and these people get the food, and they leave it laying around, and they go to adjacent properties and sit and eat. And uh, it's because they're, they're not required to work. They're doing these people harm. Mm. Their parts are in the right place. I get it. But they're doing these people harm mm. uh, because they're giving them food without working. If you don't work, you should be hungry. Mm. And, we, and, and think about that, folks, when you give, give money to these people sitting on the side of the road uh, with, their, uh, with their jar out and you put money into it, you're, you're, you're facilitating somebody rebelling against mm. God. Uh, looking at the number numbers for labor force participation, you can see that something is profoundly wrong. Millions of people are missing. Hmm. 
golly, Neds. It isn't explained solely by early retirement or mothers leaving the workforce because they can't find child care. There's more going on here, a demoralization, a loss of ambition, a a rejection of bourgeois life or middle-class life, an evaporation of the work ethic, but also more, a loss of faith, and the idea of progress itself. The shift, only one more paragraph here. Um, well, there's there's a lot to read here, and I'm not going to read, but uh, uh, we'll, f- we'll finish up there. But if you, if you want to read this article, folks, it, it, it's fairly long, but it's really good. The ev- evisceration of the American work ethic. There's something deeply, profoundly, fundamentally wrong mm. in America, and, and, we've, and we know that, and we know that it's... Uh, uh, comprehensive and broad, and and uh, it just goes, it goes into every sphere of American life. But uh, it's because it's because, and we say it over and over. But we leave God, and we want things to be just the way they were, and mm. they're not going to yeah. be. All right, we're going to do the etiquette segment next, and you're going to enjoy it, folks. We're going to talk about cell phone etiquette. So uh, as Pastor is looking at his phone. <laughs> 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 which I do too, but uh, I got to keep. I got to catch him, which was quite fun. It's fun, yeah. It's fun. All right, so you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show, folks. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with Pastor Brian Leversey. It's etiquette, etiquette segment time, Pastor. So I forgot my book that we always read out of. We were on uh, cell phone etiquette, which was quite good. But I did find Southern Living. I used to get Southern Living <laughs> because I love it. It's cool. They have the, they have the, the, the Southerners, man. They they can create the most beautiful makeovers in homes. That's why I liked it. My mom, my mom got it for years. So anyway, Southern Living has this... Uh, article from 2020 invisible etiquette rules that southerners practice every day so they, they do this oh we gotta by learn habit. from those guys yeah they're, they're the Southern, pinnacle everyone uh everyone knows how friendly the people in the south are yeah. that accent just which is going away you, yeah. you know what uh, the i remember in college this is 30 40 years ago uh one of my professors saying that the south has lost its southness hmm and it's even more so today. And a lot of it is is just the homogenization of the South with the North moving down there and interstates to where people can travel and move. And so uh, it's not as distinct as it used to be. That Southern accent that we all love, uh, <laughs> you don't hear it as much. Um, so anyway, we saw that we Northerners uh, ruined it. Oh, yeah, see, you're, not, you're not a Northerner. What are you? You are an Iowan. And a Westerner. A Westerner. <laughs> Get your boots on. Don't wear those in the house, I think, is an etiquette. All right. Have common courtesies, the first one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's gone. <laughs> what is you know that what? even? Go anymore? through a McDonald's drive through I hate to hit. Uh, uh, they are nothing like what they used mm. to be. It is amazing. You know who is? Hmm. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Chick-fil-A will serve you. And I'm not a Chick-fil-A guy, but mm. I happen to be in uh, Morgantown with my son. A couple of weeks ago, and he said, "Hey, Dad, let's go to Chick Fil A." Okay, we'll go to Chick Fil A. I don't usually go just because I'm not a big chicken fan, but it is good. So we go. You go through there; they have everything. Yeah, 
everything down to the T, and they are friendly, and yeah. they are courteous. That's what and they're known for. you feel like you're being served. Yeah. They're servants. Yeah. Uh, no wonder their lines are all the way down to the highway. Have common courtesy. Be hospitable. Mm-hmm. That's a biblical, uh, that's a biblical concept. Be honest. Ooh. These are just basic stuff, yeah, isn't it? You gotta, we don't, and, 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 and we don't know it anymore. No. Be honest. Tell the truth, folks. Don't steal. All that. Be respectful. Hmm. See, I really appreciate um, when young people are respectful and use ma'am and sir. I know that that's an old, I mean, we're talking about Southern living. I know that's kind of old Southern, you know, style of doing well, things. But we, we teach our children, say yes, ma'am, yes, sir, when you're talking we, to We taught our kids the mm-hmm. same. Yeah. And we taught our kids when they address adults, they don't address them by the first name. Right. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Or, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this first name stuff from kids, mm-hmm. it drives me insane. Mm-hmm. And I've come to the point where I correct uh, um, kids when they, when they mm-hmm. do that. Or even, uh, even somebody calling you out of the blue from a company or whatever, they call you by your first name. Mm-hmm. That drives me insane. I correct yeah. people, too, when they, mm-hmm. when they do that. Or I get an email, uh, hey, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, to my Senate email, I write back. It's uh, it's etiquette and it's it's proper to address me by my elected position. Mm-hmm. That's not being arrogant mm-hmm. or condescending. It's it's called decorum. Mm-hmm. It's called respect. That's why I call you pastor. I don't call you by your first name. Mm-hmm. I call you pastor. Um, there's there's positions that that you address with respect and decorum. Mm-hmm. And I don't call my doctor by his first name. Right. And uh, uh, but but definitely, kids should be taught to address adults mm-hmm. as Mister or Missus. I I still run into moms and dads from when I was a kid. I, I still call them Mister or Missus. <laughs> yeah. I do because nobody did Absolutely. that when I was young. That's nobody. Right. Everyone was Mister or Missus in my neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, do you feel better? I feel better I about that. <sighs> Let's loop that. Let's loop this (laughs) segment just for forever. All right, so we're out of time, folks. We'll we'll get back to this. Is better than I thought it was. Be I thought this would be ho hum, but uh, this this is just fundamental stuff that we've forgotten. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll we'll print this out and do this some more. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Thanks so much for tuning in, folks. We appreciate it. We love you. God bless you. And uh, I'll see you next week. We got Captain James McCormick who is going to, uh, 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 he has a, a, a great story about uh, uh, being in Iraq, in Iraq, thinking he was going to die mm-hmm. in, in a battle. And uh, he's a Purple Heart guy, three bullet holes in him. You'll love him. Good, good man. So tune in next week also. You're listening to Voice of Truth Radio Show. Have a great week. I will choose to.